The season of Advent celebrates the presence of God breaking into the world. This season has two sides. One that looks back to humanity longing and anticipating the birth of Christ, the Messiah, as a humble baby in Bethlehem. The other side of Advent looks forward to the perusia or the second coming of Christ when that same Jesus will return to rule with compassion and power. Listen now for the word of God first in the 33rd chapter of Jeremiah. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. In our reading from Luke's gospel, Jesus tells the disciples and us of things to come. Reading from Luke 21, beginning at the 25th verse. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth, distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard, so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life, and that they catch you unexpectedly, like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Are we there yet? On almost every family journey, almost every parent has heard that question, and almost every child has asked it. Are we there yet? Well, one of the challenges I have of my vision is I cannot read most road signs. 
especially when going along at highway speeds. Mathematicians in our group here will tell you that 88 feet per second, that's how fast you're going when you're doing just 60 miles an hour. And you have to be in the slow lane on I-40 to be doing that. So back when I was catching rides from college in Davidson, North Carolina to my parents' home in Augusta, Georgia, I often rode with other students, college students, people who really did not want to hear me ask, where are we? Much less, are we there yet? So I learned to be alert to the signs to, uh, in the sense of big landmarks. Some were easy. For example, just before you get to Augusta, you cross the Savannah River at the state border. That's too big to miss. Other signs of where we were were big, but just on one side of the road. For example, when you're going to Augusta, way before you get to uh, Columbia, South Carolina, you come to a huge multi-story building in the middle of not much else. Well, nowadays, it, I-77 is near there, but it's about 12 miles from downtown Columbia. That was my sign that we're almost to Columbia. And let me know about how far it was on to home in Augusta. Are we there yet? Many, many Christians have asked God just about the same question. How soon will we see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory? According to the prophet Jeremiah, the days are surely coming, says the Lord. But when and how will we know? Well, Jesus names three signs or clues that will show that the second coming is near. Natural disturbance, international distress, and widespread fear. The first signs are disturbances in nature. There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. The second sign is international, global. On the earth, distress among the nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. And the third sign will be widespread fear. People will faint from fear or foreboding of what is coming upon the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Well, despite all this uproar, we are not to be fearful when we see the Son of Man coming in a cloud. But when these things begin to take place, we're supposed to stand up and raise our heads because our redemption is drawing near. Well, the Bible often advises fearlessness, courage in fearful situations. For example, in the 46th Psalm, uh, reference to natural disturbances, and then it follows that with a word of assurance. The nations are in an uproar, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Now the problem with these signs is that like that parable about the leaves coming out on the trees, they keep occurring regularly. Read any day's newspaper. Watch any day's news. And you will find some natural disturbance. Earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, blizzards. 
you'll find the nations in distress somewhere on the globe. The poet William Butler Yeats wrote, the falcon cannot hear the falconer, things fall apart, the sinner cannot hold, mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all convictions while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Surely some revelation is at hand. Surely the second coming is at hand. Yeats published that poem almost a century ago in the aftermath of what was then called the Great War. They didn't know we were going to have World War II. It was not the war to end all wars. He wrote this poem in 1919, but he could have written it today. In the verses we read from the 21st chapter of Luke, Jesus told the disciples to do three things in this in-between time in which we live, between the first advent and the second advent or second coming. First, watch for the signs. Look at the fig tree and all the trees, the things that let us know that summer's coming. When all this cold weather came in the other day, someone posted something that said, have hope, summer's only 29 weeks away. <laughs> Well, pay attention. You won't know unless you're watching, so watch for the signs. Secondly, be on guard so your hearts aren't weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life and that, catch, that they catch you unexpectedly, like a trap. Now that word dissipation, that's not one we use every day. Uh, the Common English Bible, a translation we read from sometimes, they render that verse Take care that your arts aren't dulled by drinking parties. Well, dissipation has to do with spending or using up something, such as your time, your energy, your money, opportunities, wastefully, foolishly. We're also called to be on guard so that our hearts aren't weighed down with the worries of this life. The message here is not just don't get loaded, but also don't get overloaded. We have an obligation to take care of ourselves and of each other so that life's troubles don't weigh us down. Thirdly, be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. We are to be alert, to be mindful of what's going on in the world. Now, I believe that this command is to... Is to to be alert also involves being informed. Yes, the news can be depressing and can be overwhelming. But if part of our job as Christians is to take care of God's green earth and to witness to all of God's children, we need the knowledge and the skills to do those jobs. In Luke 21, Jesus tells us not just that we're to be alert, to watch, and to wait, but to be alert, to watch, and to wait in hope. In Romans 8, Paul wrote about waiting in hope. I believe that the present suffering is nothing compared to the coming glory that is going to be revealed to us.
The whole creation waits breathless with anticipation for the revelation of God's sons and daughters. Creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice. It was the choice of the one who subjected it, but in the hope that the creation itself would be set free from slavery to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of God's children. We know that the whole creation is groaning together and suffering labor pains up until now. And it's not only the creations, we ourselves who have the spirit as the first crop of the harvest also groan inside us as we wait to be adopted and for our bodies to be set free. We were saved in hope. If we see what we hope for, that is at hope, who hopes for what they already see? But if we hope for what we don't see, we wait for it with patience. The good news of Advent is not just that Jesus came as a baby in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago or so, but that Christ is coming again. Despite all that is falling apart in our lives, in our communities, and in the world around us, we have hope in the risen Lord. Thanks be to God. In this in-between time we live in, between the first coming of Jesus as a baby in Bethlehem and the second coming when we will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory, be alert, watch for the signs, and wait in hope. Now may the love of God uphold you, the light of Christ guide you, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit Fill you with joy, now and forever. Amen. <laughs>